the moves, the punches, the fire. But there was one thing he would never have. Virtual Boy presents more challenges inside the third dimension. Mario's Tennis, Tunnel Boxer, Little Arm, Galactic Pinball. Virtual Boy, a 3D game for a 3D world. Wanna play? Negative. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay, good. No. I'm the, only, I'm the only boy here with a virtual boy, and let me tell you, uh, it's still bad. Yeah. <laughs> in, in 2018, it's still not a good thing. I, I still want one. It's still on my list of things to add to my Nintendo collection, but... Yeah, you know, I, I would say if you're ever looking for them, too, the best thing to do is almost never look online for them. Like, definitely, you know, check out your swap meets and flea markets and yard sales and Craigslist and stuff like that, because inevitably you'll find some like, you know, 45 year old dude who is like, Oh yeah, I forgot I even had this in my parents' closet. You know, right. Right. I want 20 bucks. I got mine for free that way. Like I had a buddy who was literally like, my parents told me to get all the shit out of their closet. Do you want this? Do you think there's some like alternate history where like virtual boys, like old ones are like traded on the black market, like gold, you know, like gold bullion. Yeah. I, I I could be into that idea. Uh, I mean, it, it <laughs> the abysmal amount pro- produced and sold. They're actually like for something everybody knows about. They're actually kind of rare. So uh, let's get this let's get this thing started, guys. Here we go. Welcome everyone. You're listening to Geek Squatch. It's a podcast all about nerd nostalgia from yesteryear. Another week has come and gone, so that means it's time for another episode. What are we talking about this week, you ask? Come on. Don't play me like that. You saw the episode title already. You know it's time to talk about Nintendo's Virtual Boy console. Now, you already know who it is yammering at you right now. It's your best friend, Alex Hirsch. And about 2,976.6 miles away is the one and only Caleb McAllister. What's going on, buddy? That is oddly specific. Yeah, I mean, it's around about 2,976.6 miles. That... I think you're stalking me. I know exactly where you live. I know you do. I see you poking your head through my went my window on occasion. Think about think about it more like a uh, like a guardian angel situation and less like a uh, <laughs> sharing Tate situation. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, we got Caleb here as always, um, and this week we've brought another guest into the fold in the form of. N64 Josh, who is the host of the Nintendo PowerCast. Josh, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for having me and uh, for putting up with all of the scheduling um, debacles that I that I brought along with me. <laughs> I understand. As it, as it turns out, like being I, I don't know about you, um, just sort of like seeing what you do on the Internet. I kind of I feel like we may be, you know, uh, similar in this way, but I consider myself like a hobbyist. Truly. I mean, just like front to back. I'm always busy. But it's never with anything important. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I have a job and I've got a family and everything. But, like, the thing that takes up my time in the evenings is, like, oh, shit, I got three D&D games this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Um, 
scheduling sucks. But uh, so you host you host a podcast called the Nintendo Power Pot the Nintendo Powercast. Uh, what's that all about? I can't imagine. So it's a little bit about Nintendo, a lot about power, and uh, that's it. No, it's it's basically a Nintendo news podcast week in and week out. We uh, we do touch on some retro stuff periodically, like we'll have a retro question at the end of the show, kind of, you know, just talk about like what what games we'd like to see come out that used to be out or that kind of thing. You know, um, a lot of just Nintendo news. I do two episodes a week. I do uh, one with a co-host on Tuesdays. Um, we do it live on uh, on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash n64josh, and uh, um, it's at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And so that's that's fun. We actually had four we had four uh, four hosts on on this week's episode, and so it was, it, it's fun. It's just, it's just it's just talking about Nintendo, looking at the news. Sometimes it's tough when there's not a lot of Nintendo news. We kind of just gotta. Uh, find stuff to entertain us, you know? Um, and then on Thursdays I do an, a, what I call the NPC mini, which is just kind of, just kind of wrapping up the week's news, whatever it is, maybe just kind of scrubbing over Reddit or, or talking about a specific game that I've been playing. So, you know, it's just kind of a mix of news reviews, that kind of stuff. You know, with a company like Nintendo, uh, I'm kind of glad you touched on that because before we move into sort of the meat of the show, it's interesting. The idea of doing a Nintendo show, I've considered it for a long time because I'm a huge fan of just Nintendo stuff. I mean, the, the, the damn company raised me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but the idea of being in one of those, like, oh my God, like those, those lulls in like February, 2015 or whatever, you know what I mean? Where there's just, there's nothing going on for like seven straight weeks, no announcements, no game comes out. And it's just like, I don't know. You guys still playing Splatoon? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, the big news today is that Doom got an update on the Switch, right? So we talked about that for uh but I mean, it was actually kind of a crazy update. They added motion controls to the game. So like yeah. that's, you know, a little bit a little bit out of the ordinary, especially for a first-person shooter, right? Other than Splatoon, which does have the motion controls, and I guess when you're firing your bow and arrow with Link, you have it as well, but um that and we just we really touched on like Bayonetta 1 and 2 cuz it dropped on Friday and mm-hmm. uh you know, that kind of stuff. And then there's been some, some people having issues with cloud with not having cloud saves and losing all of their, all of their mm-hmm. game saves from their switches dying. So, um, so we kind of just yeah. talked about that as well. And just, you know, and it's, it's sometimes it's tough with those things because you want to not have too much salt. Right. But, uh, as consumers, those sometimes some of that stuff can be frustrating for us. So it's, uh, just try to balance it, you know, have a little fun, have a little salt, just a little salt here and there. Right. Well, that's that's the thing about, you know, just human nature is you, you tend to be sort of the meanest to the ones you love the most. You know what I right. mean? And that's how I am with Nintendo. I, I dunk on Nintendo a lot. But let me tell you, I mean, I've got there's a Master Sword right here. There's a Triforce right there. There's a Hillian Shield right there. Like, you know, like my life has been Nintendo for 30 years. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, But yeah, so that's cool. That's that's Josh, everybody. Um, and before we get started, I do want to plug yet again at the top of the show, uh, we have a phone number. We have a line that you can call. If you've got something to say about the Virtual Boy, uh, you can call and leave us a message or really anything else. Uh, give us a call, 540-692-9165. I'll play your shit on the show. We'll respond to your questions, answer your questions. We'll you know maybe make fun of you a little bit. Caleb's really bad about that. Caleb's really judgmental, so yeah, I'm a judge uh, don't, say anything, don't say anything that could incriminate you. Also, uh, if you've gone blind due to playing the Virtual Boy, please call us. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, and also I want to hear how you... 
accessibility is a weird thing in my world and i kind of really want to know more about it so if you did go blind to the virtual boy and you found our podcast i want to know how that's like how do how do you use a smartphone what's an audio format alex i don't know if you realize that or not then why are we using why are we using these webcams (laughs) i've been fooled the whole time i've been putting on pants every week (laughs) no you haven't i have not i am currently wearing family guy print sweatpants that i don't i honestly don't even know how i acquired so here we are so guys uh what is the virtual boy you may be asking uh i can't imagine many listeners of the show would have never heard of this just because of sort of like uh you know where our wheelhouse lies but the virtual boy if you want sort of the historical description sort of the the clinical description i guess it would be that it is a 32-bit tabletop console tabletop is important to note by the way Tabletop console created by Nintendo that uses parallax effects to create a sense of stereoscopic 3D virtual reality. What the hell does that mean? Wait a minute. The box says portable. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) hey, man. Actually, you know what? I don't have a section for this. So at some point I need to I need to bring this up. Did you guys know they like this? Okay, hold on. No, I know. I'm sorry. Forgive me. What does that mean? Basically, the console, it's a set of goggles that are mounted onto a bipod. There is a controller that plugs into the bottom of the unit, and inside two separate screens uh, are rendering graphics simultaneously. They use uh, lenses to shove each image into your individual left and right eyes, creating a stereoscopic 3D effect. It is sort of the infancy of the 3DS. Um, it's sort of like you can tell where where maybe they revisited some of the stuff later on. Um, the 3DS when it released, um, you know, in the early 2010s, was it 2011 when it came out in the U S I think. I believe so. Um, when the 3ds came out, it was, everyone kind of looked at it and we're like, Oh man, it's for a new handheld. It's really not super powerful. I mean, the Vita's coming and that thing looks cool, but what people don't get, and it's the same issue that came with this unit, which we're going to, we're going to touch on later is that this unit is rendering two sets of graphics at one time and then sort of overlaying them through this display into your brain. Um, so it has to work twice as hard to achieve half the fidelity. Um, so it sounds really cool, right? Especially in 1995, this sounds like a neat thing. It's a it's a bipod-mounted virtual reality goggle set that you stick on your head and you can play Nintendo games. I want to play my Marios, but what if I'm the Mario? No. <laughs> like it Not even close. It didn't work out that way. No. no. Uh, these days, this thing is a little more than a curiosity or a collector's item. Though it was ahead of its time, and virtual reality in gaming wasn't really seen in any official capacity for almost 20 more years, the execution of this product was poor. And the support slash production ceased uh, after less than a year of being on the shelves. This thing died. It is the second lowest selling Nintendo platform after the 64 Double D. And I'll guarantee that anyone listening to the show, there's probably like six of you who know what that even is. and the fact that the 64 Double D uh, or the 64 disk drive um, sold 300,000 units or so is interesting to me because it didn't even come out in North America. I was going to say, I remember seeing like uh, images of that in Nintendo Power being like, oh, I kind of see how that might even the playing field, but then it just never materialized. Yeah, the Double D was a weird thing, too, because, like, it had... Um, a lot of people don't understand here uh, in America because in, in at least North America, the internet didn't take off in a personal way quite as quickly as it did in Japan. So 
um, things like the, the Super Nintendo had internet connectivity in the form of the Satellaview program uh, through the like mid-90s, and I think they canceled that in like 2000 or 2001. Um, the 64 Double D was the same thing. It was almost like a... I say computer. All consoles are computers if you want to be pedantic about it, but it, like the Double D had like a computational thing with it. It had like a built-in font library hmm. and video codecs and stuff, and it used what were basically zip drives or magnetic disks like it was that was a weird product but that's a discussion for another time we can talk about the double d another day we'll talk about double d's I, every day double, talk about double d's whenever you want buddy i kind of want to start with the development of this console because that just sort of seems like the most logical step so we're gonna go back to the year 1985 there's a company called reflection technology incorporated who created a 3d stereoscopic head tracking prototype called the private eye Uh-huh. It had some kind of like tank game, and I, I didn't, I, I admittedly didn't do a lot of research into uh, RTI, this this company, because they're kind of inconsequential beyond this mention. Uh, but they did ship this thing with a video game um, or some sort of software as a demo to show off its head tracking virtual reality 3D stuff. Um, so these guys, they, they developed this tech in 85. They went to companies like Mattel and Hasbro uh, trying to sell this as a toy, as a thing that they could market on shelves in Toys R Us. And they were met with skepticism and denial pretty much across the board. Then they tried to take the technology into the video game market. Now, remember, 1985, this is, these are NES times. This is right after the big video game crash, uh, so to speak, that Nintendo saved us from with the release of the NES in North America in 1985. Um... The NES, by the way, if you don't, like, that shit saved video games, guys. Like, come on. Yep. So, RTI uh, initially went to Sega when they were trying to ship this around to video game companies, but they declined due to its single-color display as well as worries over ocular health and motion sickness. Hmm. Anyone keeping up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Anyone keeping Very up? Very interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, like, with, with regards to modern VR, like, that's still, that's still sort of the... Uh, the talk around this stuff, right, is like, oh, man, when the 3DS came out, it's like, oh, man, do we let, should we let our kids play it? Because, like, is it going to mess up their, you know, their ocular health? Is it going, is it going to, um, you know, damage their pupillary distance or, or anything like that? Like, is it going to cause them to have lazy eyes? Like, there, there's been discussion around anything that, like, sort of plays with the way you perceive things, um, any of these sort of gimmicky kind of ideas. There's always that worry. I mean, there's even research now that LCDs are unhealthy to stare at for more than X amount of hours a day. Yeah, hey, guys, that's also, as it turns out, doing anything that's not, like, toiling for a few hours in the moderate sunlight and then going and sleeping in a cave is bad for humans because we're <laughs> shitty biological creatures. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so they were worried about uh, motion sickness and all that. Nintendo, however, now Nintendo was willing to give the private eye a chance. The tech was purchased for a few million dollars. I, I don't have the number because I'm bad with them. But I think it was like five point something million. It was it was five million. Yeah. Yeah. With exclusivity rights attached also. And Nintendo's Gunpei Yokoi and the famed R&D one unit of uh, Nintendo's research and development uh, took to developing the technology into a system that would bridge the gap between the Game Boy, the Super Nintendo and the upcoming Nintendo 64, which was slated to compete directly with the Sega Saturn and Sony's PlayStation. That's crazy. Like, this thing is basically fillerware 
You know what I mean? If you think about it, it's yeah. just a bridge, a gap in hardware. The The Game Boy was already kind of filling this role. Mm-hmm. The Game Boy filled this role to a fucking T. Like, the thing is, is... So, this was built under the VR32 codename. Um, and the reason is, is because the Virtual Boy is a 32-bit console. Like the Sega Saturn and the PlayStation, right? Which is crazy to think about when you see what these games look like. Because they look like Game Boy games. Why? Well, like I said, the the, the uh, technology in this thing has to render quite literally two displays and then sync them up for your eyes. The machine has to work twice as hard. So it, again, works twice as hard for half the value. Um, it is really interesting that this is like the hardware physical version of like shovelware. You know what I mean? Like just get something out. Just get something out. Just do it. Uh, it's it, This thing's astounding to me. I, uh, so I asked Josh earlier, I know you don't own one, but have you guys ever played a Virtual Boy before? I never have. The closest I've come is just seen them in retro game shops and just looked at it and said, oh, I want that in my collection. And I did get excited when I was playing Animal Crossing New Leaf and I got one from the fortune cookie or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I see lots of red in your future. I think there's a fortune with that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually rented one of these from Blockbuster uh, back in the oh, day. Oh, really? Yeah, when they were running that promotion where um, they were trying to get early adopters in. So they were doing deals with Blockbuster and um, local uh, video and video game rental companies to provide them with units. And then you could rent it with a credit card for the weekend if it got damaged or whatever they charge you for it. But uh, my parents did it. For me, it was pretty cool thinking about it now as a parent. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I think it came with three or four games. Uh, it came with the the boxing game, uh, Terror. Uh, Telerobox. Yeah, Telerobox. And it came with Mario Tennis, of course, um, mm-hmm. and Mario Clash. And I believe. Did it come it- with Wario Land? Yeah, I think it came with Wario Land, too. I think those were the... I was going to say, it has to, because that's actually... Hey, guys, spoilers. That's the only good game on the system, by the way. I own all 14 North American released games, and that's the only good one. Yeah, I actually played it in an emulator online, and it's still a subpar game as far as games go. You know, it's just... You just hit blocks and collect hearts, and... uh... If you compare it to the likes of you know super mario land on mm-hmm. the game boy like it's not it's not as good as that but it's definitely like oh shit nintendo made that like you can you can feel you can feel like this is kind of like a mario game for this hard... you know what wario is kind of the perfect mascot for the virtual boy <laughs> like, it's kind of like what if nintendo did some real weird stuff yeah yeah i don't know it's 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 crazy so this thing this thing I have, I have one of these. I have one like in like in the other room over here, um, and I've pulled it out recently, only to find that the the first thing you'll ever hear about this is like, oh, it's a migraine machine, right, dude? Not only not only putting your face in this sucks, but like literally watching videos of people playing this thing without without the the uh, sort of eye blockers, right? Without the foam uh, face pad, uh, without the three D effects being perceived like through your monitor or anything like it's still like as it turns out like deep blacks and crimson red not a good color combination Mm. (laughs) like it's a bad thing to just sit and look at um so 
This thing, it spent uh, four years in development. Release was rushed ahead of uh, Gunpei's ideal time because of the Sony PlayStation and the Sega Saturn coming out. Um, like I said, the Nint Nintendo was working really hard to get uh, Project Reality, the Nintendo 64, out into consumers' hands because the console wars between Nintendo and Sega had been pretty... I don't know if you guys remember what it was like in the early 90s, man, but like, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't, that kind of whole... whole thing i mean it was just it was they were playground arguments let me just tell you okay um <laughs> definitely yeah i mean like i was i was legit because i was 100 a nintendo kid and i was like man fuck sonic the hedgehog you know uh, <laughs> i and still also, say I that still, honestly i still stand by the fact that those games even the games the sonic fans say are good like they're still not good games they're not good games i'm sorry um but mortal kombat man now <laughs> the blood well, yeah so he, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Yeah, Super Nintendo, like the Nintendo platforms, they didn't have blood in them, you know, blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal. Mortal Kombat 2, no, if, you were, if, you, if you weren't playing it in the arcade, you had to be playing on a fucking Super Nintendo, man, because there was, there was no other way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, the other thing, during development, this system was like, so this system was pared down a lot because it was pushed out ahead of time. So this thing, at one point in time, during its development, had head tracking. It was a head-mounted display, which was what the original technology was me meant to be anyway. So imagine wearing this giant piece of 1995 tech on your head, right? Like, bigger and dumber than an Oculus Rift or a Vive. Imagine, and powered by batteries, <laughs> right? So imagine wearing this gigantic device on your head and still dealing with what had to be a monochrome display. Now, why did it have to be monochrome? It's because at the time... Color LCDs were insanely expensive. It was just entirely prohibitive. Like they could not include that into the into this model. Um, I mean, there's just no way. Also, color LCDs caused at the time because they were such low fidelity, they caused a lot of blurriness and jumpiness in graphics, which you can see if you look at a lot of early, uh, you know, four by three LCD monitors. Like they were not good for gaming. I was gaming on a CRT monitor until like 2007 because of it. Um. So the other, the other part is they use LED technology because LEDs tend to last almost indefinitely. I mean, at this point, when you're talking about technology, it'll last forever. Um, problem is, imagine this. In 1995, you, you can go on Amazon right now. You can go on Amazon.com and buy an, an RGB programmable LED strip. You can buy a programmable LED light bulb for 10 bucks, and you can control it with your phone through Wi-Fi. It's crazy, right? In 1995... Blue LEDs just fucking didn't work. <laughs> like, they couldn't figure out the frequency, they couldn't figure out the power ratio, um, and they couldn't figure out the technology to get those things to be bright enough and functional enough to use as a, uh, as a display for, like, literally anything. That's why if you look back on a lot of 80s and 90s tech, you only ever see little red glowing buttons because that's all they could do. Like, red it was the thing that worked. But what if we made it red? Yeah, what if we what if we had the Game Boy, but red? Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. So the other thing is that um, that sort of caused some initial skepticism during the development of this thing is that in 1995, Japan's Product Liability Act also caused a lot more concern regarding motion sickness and ocular health, and it it made corporations, which I like to refer to as zaibatsus because it feels very cyberpunk, um, <laughs> but it made them. Uh, more cognizant and also more responsible for the damage that any uh, you know future or, or potential products could place upon the end user. Um, 
ultimately sounds like a good thing. Uh, but in this case, it caused Nintendo, along with another, uh, you know, a bunch of other factors to sort of rush this thing out uh, in a form that Gunpei was not ready for. He, he did not want to release it in this form. Um, they had to pare it down a lot to get it to this sort of consumer level that we that we saw on shelves. And like it was it was just sloppy, you know, and not the first time we've seen this happen with a Nintendo product. Remember the power glove? Yeah, I do. Same problem. The technology worked really well. By the time they got it cheap enough to get to retail, it didn't work mm-hmm. at all. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's unreal. Um, I, I do want to say that, like, one of the most interesting things about Nintendo as a company, if you are, like, sort of a hobbyist and you're not really, you're not listening to video game podcasts every week and everything else, which if you're listening to this show and you're not, like, I, I don't know who you are, really. Um, cause that's just like, that seems like to be our only audience. The thing about Nintendo is they are innovators. They have always been the ones to sort of push the envelope and make these weird things happen, you know? Um, so it's like, of course the first, like even remotely official home VR headset came from Nintendo. Like, sure it did. And of course we didn't even try to revisit that for 20 years. Cause they, because they didn't make it work. And if anyone was going to make it work in 1995, it was Nintendo. Oh, hell yeah. Because like like we said, and we're going to touch on a little bit later too, dude, the Game Boy, like, yes, the, the, the NES was the home console at the time, right? But dude, the Game Boy? The Game Boy had been out for, what did the Game Boy come out in 87 in the US, I think? 89. Um, I, I don't so. have it in front of me. Oh, 89? Yeah, okay. Um, And <laughs> dude, you've got six years of just fucking Tetris on planes, man. Like, <laughs> it's like people just everywhere. Well, as we said in the uh, Tetris episode, Steve Wozniak was like an avid Tetris player, and I'm sure he probably went through three or four Game Boys, and all he probably did was play Tetris on it. I mean, dude had record uh, Tetris scores and Nintendo Power for, like, years. Yeah. And so the reason I bring this up is because uh, Gunpei Yokoi is the guy that made the Game Boy. He's, He's that dude. So... For him to go from, uh, you know, the uh, the Game & Watch to the Game Boy to what was ultimately supposed to be a head-mounted portable VR system, I mean, like, it's it's not a it's not an illogical jump to make. It's just really unfortunate that this didn't quite get the time it needed to bake in the oven. You know what I mean? I wonder what would have what it would have been like if Nintendo had held on to this for another five years. If this thing came out in 1999, it might have been cool. It might have still been really bad, but it might have been cool. What's interesting, too, is not but just a couple months later, they delayed the 64 because Mario 64 wasn't ready yet. Right. Right. So it's like the amount of pressure that went onto this this system. I mean, and they were projecting something like like three or four million units. Right. Mm -hmm. In the first year. Yeah. yeah, And then and then like I can't remember the number of games was was just they were crazy crazy numbers they were projecting yeah and then you know claim they sold out but they you know stores got like two <laughs> two consoles right so that's why they were selling out right and and it's just unfortunate that this all falls on gunpei because this guy i mean he's been there since the beginning game and watch yeah. right game boy yeah he worked with shigeru miyamoto on super mario brothers right like this is yeah. this is the guy that 
helped lay the foundation for what Nintendo became in the 80s. And now he's basically shamed because of of the Virtual Boy. And it's 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 extremely unfortunate. And even thinking about it today, because I was just trying to, you know, just kind of do a little bit of more research, watch some videos, listen to some podcasts, whatever, just try to. But anytime I, I, I listen to a lot of history books about Nintendo, about video games, that kind of stuff. And I get so bummed out every time it gets to 96 and he gets in that that car accident like that guy, I can't imagine what he would have thought of the switch and the, the 3ds and, and that, you know, just seeing, because I mean the 3ds and the DS it's basically, that's part of his legacy. I mean, look at the original game and watch, right? Yeah. It's the super Saiyan game and watch. Yeah. You know? We should explain to people what that is. It's not everybody is going to know. Uh, the Game & Watch was an LCD. I don't have this in front of me, but the Game & Watch was basically a dual-screen LCD um, video game system that you would buy and would have uh, pre-programmed games in them. They didn't use cartridges. So think about like when your mom took you to Walmart when you were nine and you bought those garbage Tiger Electronics <laughs> Tiger. handheld games. Like, Remember the Konami ones with the weird shape? They looked like a Star Trek Next Generation yes. tendon. <laughs> yes. I yes, like those. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, I had a bunch of them, man. I mean, I, I loved them too because they were they were video games you could buy for 10 Ninja bucks, Turtles, you know? baby. I was sold. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, that, and that's that's what it was. But the thing is, is that was you know I don't have a date for that either. But I was like fucking seventy nine or something like that. Like it was early, um, and you know Gunpei was responsible for that. He was responsible for the Game Boy. He also before he left Nintendo finalized his pro- his uh, his final project that he actually contributed was uh, you know sort of signing off on the Game Boy Pocket, which is the definitive version of the Game Boy, if you ask me. Um, you know, the color being a completely different console, which a lot of people don't realize it is a completely different thing, just backwards compatible. Um, yeah, man. I mean, he did the Game Boy Pocket as well, which was rad. And also, the Game Boy Pocket... The Game Boy Pocket has the single best marketing campaign in magazines that I think I've ever seen in my life. The Play It Loud mm-hmm. campaign? I remember oh, that. Oh, man, come on. Amazing. Google that shit. If you're like, pause the podcast and Google it. The Play It Loud Game Boy Color campaign was unreal. It's one of my favorite parts of like video game marketing history. The irony is that this console had one of the worst ad campaigns ever for Nintendo. It's insanity the commercials they would run. Like with the look, it looked like an ATAT <laughs> or ATST. Yeah. Sorry, and it's running yeah, around it looked, chasing it, some uh, cave woman in the future <laughs> and like shooting laser beams at her. <laughs> What about Starship Troopers, but the monsters of video games? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I was I was in eighth grade when this thing came out, right? It was not on my radar at all. I wasn't... I, I, so, I mean, I was playing Super Nintendo. I, back in that time, back in the day, it, you didn't really talk about being a gamer much, right? It was kind of like a, like a closet thing almost. And so you had a few friends that would come over and it was like, they'd see the controller and you'd make eye contact. And it was like, you kind of give each other the wink and it was like, okay, good. We're, we can play some street fighter. Like, yeah, we can, you know, that kind of thing. But (laughs) you were ready for my Zangief. Yeah. But, uh, with this thing, like I remember seeing it on the shelves. I had no desire whatsoever to play this thing. I'm like, that is like the most antisocial video game 
console I've ever seen. Like even the first experience I had with Game Boy was with two of them linked together playing Tetris against each other. That was the first experience I had the, the Christmas of 89 when they came out. And, and so I'm looking at this thing going, like, is this a toy? I was confused as a kid. But I mean, eighth grade, I was way more into like girls and skateboarding and stuff. You know, gaming was just kind of something I did. Then fast forward a few years and 64 came out and then I touched Goldeneye and I was like, oh my goodness, I got to play this all the time. And then Mario Kart. And so when I remember I finally had a job, a car, I remember driving up, getting my 64, getting Mario Kart, getting Goldeneye. And there was probably a virtual boy <laughs> collecting dust up on the top <laughs> shelf. And I'm just like, oh, you know what, was. what is this thing? Like what? I, I, I was so uninterested in it and, and nobody I knew had one. You know, I didn't, I don't right. even know if any, I mean, maybe a kid at school, but like I said, nobody talked about it. Right. Other than the kids you played with in the neighborhood, you didn't really know if they were, if they were into games or not. Nobody, uh, except for the Zelda gun fights, you know, people would talk about, uh, there's no gun in Zelda when you're much, much younger though, you know? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the playground, you know, like, like I had, I had a friend who had one that was sort of my first introduction to it. Um, and I went to his house. I was new in town. I, you know, I just moved in. I was new in school or whatever. He was my first friend. His name was Matt. Shout out Matthew, whatever the hell your name was. You were a great guy. Um, but so I, I went over, yeah, right. I moved around a lot, man. I never kept long friends. Like, I don't know. His name was Matt. Uh, he was also Caleb. You've heard this story about twenty five different times, and if you're a long time listener, you know the story too. He's also the guy whose brother was stationed in Hawaii and sent over that box of like bootleg anime that was like recorded over like hardcore porn. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's my he's my that that guy. I shared a lot of firsts with Matt. There's a lot of weird boner things I think happened with Matt. Hopefully, he didn't. Uh, well, maybe maybe I don't know if it's hope or maybe he did touch you. I don't know. I mean, spiritually, right? You know, yeah. Your, is this in the cockles? notes? <laughs> yeah, this is all in the notes. This is all in the notes. Every bit of it. Uh, but anyway, like I went over to his house one day um, and I go downstairs like we hadn't we hadn't gone into his basement yet. You know, like I'd been over to his house to play in his yard and stuff because he lived close to me. Is that like a um, special thing back east? Like I'm going to invite you. Is that code? You know, invite you to your basement. Oh, I forget. You guys on the West Coast don't really have basements. No. Huh? Yeah, we all have basements here and they're all secret dungeons. <laughs> Cool. The East Coast is weird. Yeah, yeah. They're all dungeons. I'm in a basement right now, and it is a perverse place. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, well, that's where I keep all my video games. And I was like, what? Like, you have video games? Oh, great. You know, so we went downstairs, and, you know, we played uh, track and field, you know, and stuff like that. And that was a lot of fun. We played some Street Fighter and whatever. And I looked over, and I, like, I had never, because I was in first grade when this thing came out, right? So I look over this thing. I'm not obviously not like buying magazines. I can barely read at this point, you know, I look over and I'm like, what in the hell is that Richie rich, like weird ass piece of technology you have sitting over there? <laughs> like, cause if you look at this thing in 95, everything, like every computer is like fish belly white. It's like beige, right? Mm-hmm. Every console is gray. All of them, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at this thing and it's like, that just looks like, like a prop in an early nineties rich kid movie right? <laughs> or a horror film. Like don't touch the relic. Don't look at the arc, <laughs> right? Don't stick your face in there. It'll melt it right off. We have so many things <laughs> to show you, <laughs> but he'd had this thing. He couldn't have had it for very long. Cause you know, it was, you know, maybe, I don't know, December of 1995. And he was like, we don't really play that much. It's not very good. <laughs> it's like, I tried it out. Fucking hated it. Uh, I didn't touch another virtual boy until I was like 20, 
six, you know? Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just so weird because this thing at the time should have been the coolest thing that ever happened. And if it had been given another four or five years in development, it probably would have been awesome. I mean, you know, here's the thing. If you gave, if you waited four or five years, look at what display technology looked like in 1995, portable display technology, and look at what it looked like in the year 2000 and 2001. We went from having the Game Boy Color being the most advanced sort of like, well, I guess technically really like the Neo Geo Pocket Color was probably the best kind of like portable display. But like we went from that to like the Game Boy Advance display. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In a matter of five or six years, we were there. Uh, and it, it's just really interesting trying to think about like, hmm, I would pay $400 in the year 2000. Like I, like I would spend my Christmas money and buy one of these things if it was a fucking 3D VR Game Boy Advance. That sounds awesome. Well, I think you know? Josh kind of hit something on the head when he was saying like, you know, my first Game Boy experience was playing linked up against somebody in Tetris. Like this console in the mid 90s, feels out of place just from a user experience standpoint. This is a mm. console that you cannot play with friends. Well, it's that. You also can't watch what someone's playing yeah. either. It's not even like you can sit on the couch and be like, no, 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 get that guy, get that guy. Like, there's no social experience whatsoever. It's like, leave me alone. I'm going to jack my headphones into the 3.5 mil jack on the bottom. I'm going to stick my head in this thing, and I'm going to do what... I mean, let's be honest, probably something like really, really perverse and sexual, because if you're going to hide yourself in that way, it's got it's got to be dark, right? It's going to be a dark secret. Yeah, it's like looking into one of those penny machines, like with the uh, those old school animation ones where you watch a lady go down to her knickers and you're like, Ooh, that's so bad. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's just such a weird thing. If you look at where video games were at sort of. uh socially like no they weren't as crazy as they are now where everyone is a gamer so to speak but like they were huge and gaming was entirely on the couch with your friends or at least where your little brother could watch you and you could hand him a controller that wasn't plugged in you or know? it was in the Can't arcade they hadn't died yet yeah god damn it that's another thing the arcade still existed at this yeah, time so that's i mean that was still a very social experience i mean as like a i mean this would have been a little early but like playing killer instinct in the arcade as as after i got it on super nintendo and i got way too good at that i'd have a line of right. grown men behind me going like hey kid how did you just do that ultra combo like <laughs> like and i'm like just put your quarter up there don't worry about it you know like yeah. and and so but that was still a very social experience right you were still going head to head in street fighter you were doing four players in turtle games you know you were still yep. doing the mortal combats that kind of stuff T tekken that i mean and so to have this device that was like hey i'm going to shut the entire world out you know and i mean think about it as gamers people that aren't gamers don't understand like Oh, you wasted your, you wasted your childhood or you wasted, you know, you can hear, you can almost hear your dad like, Oh, why are you wasting time with those video games? You know what I mean? But yet as a gamer who played all through his childhood, I have nothing but very fond memories of like beating my buddy at street fighter or the first time we beat Contra together, you know, that kind of stuff Or like, that's the, that's the nostalgia that fuels me now. Right. And just incredible memories what are you going to get with this virtual boy other than a headache? Right? Like good call. Yeah. I mean, because I, I'm the same way. Like when I, when I think back on, and I was actually having this conversation today, like I was still one of the kids and I think we all probably were because I think up until like the mid two thousands, most kids were like this, but like I would have 
at any point rather been outside playing than playing video games, right? Like I love games. Like I was, I was diehard when I was little, but we still played outside. We still rode yep. bikes. We skated, you know, we did all that stuff and that was cool. But like all of my favorite video game memories, they're not me sitting in my room alone on my computer with my headphones on, hoping to God, the kids don't knock on the door at some point. You know what I mean? Like they were all me with friends, you know, like you said, like in the arcade or at home on the couch and, and you know, fucking whooping people's ass in street Fighter. yeah you know what i mean like street fighter was my game uh but yeah i mean it's just this is a strange thing and the fact that it was sort of shoved out to just be like we got to get something to fill this void because the game boy's old and doesn't look great and our super nintendo is like you know we're, we're dialing back on that because we're going to release the nintendo 64 like we got to do something this feels very much like a we got to do something product and it you know, looking back on it, I mean, it really sucks because I feel like it could have had potential. Yeah. And it's the thing about it to look at it from a little like maybe to look at it on the, like, the positive side. It's Nintendo doing Nintendo and taking risks. Right. They take risks like no other game company does at that. At least that succeeds. Right. Because, I mean, maybe this right. maybe this one, the Virtual Boy failed. But then. And I mean, and they've been on the decline, right, for the longest time. And then the the Switch finally knocked it out of the park. I mean, Nintendo's gone up and down. Handheld sales have always been good. The Wii sold extremely well. It's just nobody really played it, right? And so it, it, but that's Nintendo doing Nintendo. I mean, even look at the controller of the Virtual Boy, right? Looks a lot like a GameCube controller. Has two Mm -hmm. D-pads. It's got two D-pads. Yeah. Why? But I mean, now every controller has two sticks, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's actually very comfortable from from what uh, all the things I've read. And I remember as a kid, like I had no problems with that controller. Their controller design has always been super, super solid. I'm just not super hot on the GameCube one. But other than that, like it's 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 a perfect controller. I would argue that Nintendo's controller design is typically actually very, very bad. I mean, outside of prototyping, like what became what a controller looks like with the NES and Super Nintendo, like fucking don't you ever come to me and tell me Nintendo 64 is an okay controller. It's a bad controller, guys. But it had, but it did things. That's the thing. They, but, that, not... but that's, a, but that's the thing. Yeah. It, 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 you know, rumble pack, which was not new technology. I mean, other people have done it before, but like, Oh yeah. I actually have that same atomic purple. That's my favorite Nintendo 64 controller. That's the one that I You use. only need three hands to play this thing. What's the big deal? Right. I don't understand the right. problem here. <laughs> you got to use your tongue to control that stick in the middle. <laughs> But uh, I love that Z button though. That Z button trigger under there. Oh yeah. Oh, and nothing feels better too than you know pulling an actual trigger in a game. You know what I mean? Like we had shoulder buttons with the Super Nintendo, but man, those trigger buttons. Ooh. But yeah, like it's these guys take risks. They had the capital, being a company that was around well before video games. You know, being a a, a toy and a playing card company for I think it. Over a hundred years at this point, or almost a hundred years at this point. Don't forget love hotels. You got to love motels. Right. Yeah. You got to have those in the. <laughs> uh, but you know, like they had, they had the liquid capital. They could take risks, and that's cool. That's always been what's cool about Nintendo is that they can they can afford to do these things, and because they're so notable, especially post, uh, you know, Donkey Kong and Super Mario, or in Mario Brothers, and then you know NES Game Boy. Like being so notable, like allows them to do things that no other company could possibly get away with. Um, so it's all just very interesting. Like I, this is this and the Sega Dreamcast are two of my favorite consoles, and they're my favorites for very different reasons. Like I love the Sega Dreamcast, and I've already talked about this on an episode, so go check it out. But I love the Sega Dreamcast for very specific reasons. 
it was amazing. It's still a great console to play, actually. It's still very, very good if you have it connected to the proper, you know, hardware. Um, the Virtual Boy is the exact opposite. It's very, very bad. But they both took, like, weird risks on a consumer level that propelled gaming as a culture forward in ways that no one else was doing at the time. And like I said, I, I, I really wish that both of these things, you know, the Dreamcast and the Virtual Boy, had had just a little bit of extra ass behind them. I mean, we talked about Shigeru Miyamoto. Miyamoto was not attached to this project at all, which in 1994, 1995, for Nintendo to not attach Miyamoto to it is like, we're just going to see where this goes. You know what I mean? Like, because Miyamoto was their guy. Uh, Gunpei was, you know, like I said, he made the Game Boy, the, uh, Game Boy and everything, but like, come on, man, if Miyamoto's not working on it, what the hell's actually going to happen here? I'm you know? really interested to know, I, I wish I was in the boardroom on the discussions around this console, because it seems like Gunpei almost like either spearheaded it against other people's best, you know, best wishes or whatever, or he got it slung around his neck like an anchor. Do you know what I mean? Like it can go either way. Well, well, I could definitely argue both of those cases because on one hand, he was sort of this technological genius in that way. He was very much like a, uh, he was very much like an Awada type person on a hardware side. Um, where he was definitely a visionary and, and, and extremely talented. But then on the other side of it is like, he had always said he planned to retire when he was 50. And he prolonged it a little bit because he enjoyed his job and he worked at Nintendo for a little bit longer. Um, and actually, after the Virtual Boy failed, he uh, retired from Nintendo, started his own company, and actually created the Wonderswan, which was another portable handheld that's a little bit more obscure than probably most people. Uh, you know, It's kind of outside of most people's wheelhouse, but it's like... It's a curiosity. I'll say that. I wouldn't say it's good. It's a curiosity. It's an interesting thing. Um, and then, you know, as Josh mentioned before, you know, I think maybe a year after this thing came out in 1996, uh, he was in a car accident and died. And it's kind of unfortunate because, like, I'm, you know, even though the Wonder Swan wasn't the most successful thing, I'm interested to see or, you know, I would be interested to see what kind of other stuff could come from this guy's mind or his influence or his consulting. You know what I mean? Like, imagine, imagine a world. Imagine a world in which Hideo Kojima post Metal Gear <laughs> and this guy get together and create the most horrifying handheld product ever made. That's the world I want to live in. It's called Labo. You know? It's true, actually it is. It's Nintendo Labo. That's exactly <laughs> shit, that's exactly what it is. It's Nintendo Labo, except the other, the only difference is you actually have a chip implanted in your brain and it trains our seven year olds to be cyber soldiers. But I'm into oh, it. Cool. Yeah. And like Oil is leaking out of their eyes all the time. <laughs> right. Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus is there, and he's a very wet boy. Um, so I want to talk about the library of this thing, and then we got a couple more subjects before we get out, because we're running a little bit long. So the library, uh, there's actually there's not a whole lot to say here. There were 14 games. I will list them, because there are only 14 of them. Uh, 3D Tetris. The worst, well, it's actually not the worst version of Tetris. It's a very bad Tetris game. Um, it was a 3D cube that sort of would rotate around and you would have to drop these blocks in. And by the way, the virtual boy, because it couldn't actually render 3d objects all that well, because again, it had to render sort of two images at once. Uh, most 3d images were wireframe. I don't know if you ever looked at like wireframes in modern or, you know, ancient video games, but like trying to discern what the hell is going on is very bad. And that is a recurring theme in damn near every game on the system. 
you had Galactic Pinball. You know the pinball game that came with uh, your Windows program, that you, your, your Windows operating system that you always played in your high school or elementary school or whatever? Uh, it's that, but shittier and all black and red. It's not a good game. It's just literally you looking at a pinball table. Uh, you had Golf. The worst version of a game called Golf. <laughs> like It's just like, <laughs> there are other versions you could play, and they are better than this. You had a couple Japanese games that came out that never released in the U.S. I'm only going to specifically speak on the U.S. releases because of the ones I can actually talk about. Uh, Jack Brothers, the most expensive Virtual Boy game retailing, uh, you know, on the Internet somewhere around like $120 at any given time. Uh, with the box right now on eBay is $501 at 11 bids. Whoa. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Is it um, any good? I never played that one. Not that I remember. It's by Atlas. I didn't. Though. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't put a lot of I don't put a lot of time into my Virtual Boy, if, if you can imagine that. Um, I don't remember it being like anything I actually wanted to sit down and play. In fact, there's only one game, two maybe that I would ever recommend even looking at for even historical reasons. Uh, Jack Bros is not one of them. Uh, you had Mario Clash, you had Mario's Tennis, which was a pack-in, and a launch title. Mario's Tennis was not a first-person tennis game, which you would think for a game for a system that purports to like put you into an immersive world of virtual reality. You would think that this game would be first-person, but it's super not. You just stand third-person behind your character, and there's like a depth of field thing when you knock the ball down the way. It, I will say, it's not impressive by 2018 standards, but it's kind of cool for what it is. Like it's the the effects are neat. Uh, you have Nestor's Funky Bowling. Nestor was a character in the Nintendo Power magazines. Uh, that's all you need to know about that. It's a bowling game with that guy in it. Uh, it's not it's even very first bad. person either. No, it is not. Uh, Panic Bomber. I just, I'm not even recalling any information about that game. Probably very bad. Probably like a Galaga sort of shoot 'em up game, if I had to imagine. Oh no, shit! It was Bomberman Panic Bomber. I lied to you completely. Uh, you had Red Alarm. You had Telerobaxer. This is the one game I actually wanted to talk about. Well, I want to talk and, about uh, Red Alarm Royal for Lane. a quick second. All right, get your Red Alarm on. Caleb. Red Alarm suffers from that point that Alex was mentioning before because it's a wireframe game that is basically Star Fox. Now imagine Star Fox, pretty cool game. But now imagine that you cannot tell what is a solid and what isn't. So you don't know where a wall is or if it's a space that you can fly between. That's Red Alarm. It is hot trash. Yeah, it's really bad. There are two view modes. I would argue that Red Alarm and Telerobox are, are probably the two most like loyal to a VR immersive first-person experience because there is a view mode in Red Alarm that allows you to take a point of view or, or first-person mode. That being said... It's garbage. Like, you still it's, can't it's, tell, it's even in first person, like yeah. what is No, no, it does not help not. you. It, I would actually argue it makes things a little harder. Teleroboxer. Now that's a game. Um, imagine Mike Tyson's punch out, but for, per, first person, you're the punch out boy, and also all the punch boys are robots. That's the game. It's not bad. Like, given the limitations of the hardware and sort of what you're working with here, I would say it's the second best game on this platform. From videos I watched today of it, it looks. It looked a lot better than most of the games. Uh, at least, I mean, I don't even know how people actually capture footage to put this into into videos. To be perfectly honest, but uh, emulation, my yeah. bad. <laughs> it must be. So it, uh, it well, okay. And speaking of emulation, how would you feel about a collection of these games coming out like 
it should have been on the DS is what it should have been. Like it's well, it should have been on the 3DS because the 3DS has has the 3D yeah. U. You know what I mean? Like it, it has depth of field. Like if if Nintendo dropped the ball in a big way in not releasing these 14 garbage games. Now some of these games, especially this last one I'll mention, will be damn near impossible to license. Um or or actually weirdly easy. I don't know, man. What's Kevin Costner doing these days? Um <laughs> but, <laughs> but but like you know, games like Teleroboxer, that was a first party game. That was a Nintendo property. I don't know. I mean, just because it was a first party game does not mean that licensing is not an issue. But I will say like hey man, that would be a fucking weird thing like to go into the same way your 3DS can go into like a Game Boy mode or a DS mode. Uh, like or your or your uh your Wii U could go into a DS mode. Like why not get like why not give me this Teleroboxer shit? That seems okay. Well, not only that, you know? but Teleroboxer actually used both D-pads. Which it did. It's one of the few games that did, and it used it to great effect because one D-pad was the left arm and one D-pad was the right. It makes a lot of sense. Speaking of, by the way, only two games ever used both D-pads. Think about that. That's such a waste. Like, what the hell is happening with this console? It's all... It's backwards. Uh, so we had um, Vertical Force. We had Virtual Boy, Wario Land. A game we mentioned earlier, we don't really need to talk about uh, much more than this, but like, it was okay. It was fine. It was, I mean, you know, again, given the limitations of the platform, like it was a dumb platform game. War- what else can I say about Wario it? Wario yeah. has Viking helmets and hits people with his shoulders. So yeah, he's a rough boy. Yeah, he's Wario's a rough boy. He's a tough, tough guy. Yeah, he collects hearts and coins, and you can gamble them to try to get more of them. That's about it. Yep. So you had Virtual League Baseball. I don't care. I don't even like real baseball. It's bad. Whatever, man. Fuck it. The last game I want to talk about, very important <laughs> to me. <laughs> a licensed game. Official. Real life. This came out in the real, actual human world. Water World. Yes, that Water World for the Virtual Boy. Isn't that Kevin and Costner? The vehicle? game is better than the movie. Crazy. <laughs> even on the Virtual Boy. Hey, and as it turns out, this is actually like fucking a very bad game in the Virtual Boy library. Like in that bubble, it's still really bad. <laughs> but still better than the movie. Crazy. Yeah. I okay, look. I'm I'm a Waterworld apologist, okay? <laughs> I am. I am. That movie's that movie's god awful. Like I know it is. It's very bad, but like I watch it sometimes. It does you know? look like shit. <laughs> it does t- look tell me like how you shit. really feel, Caitlin. No. No, it's it's a line from Waterworld when he looks at his fake eye in the mirror because oh. <laughs> someone says it looks like shit. I'll put I'll put it in right about here. What do you say, Toby? The truth. Looks like shit. That's why I love children, no guile. <laughs> it does look like shit. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna go on a quick little rabbit trail with Waterworld. My my. Mom and dad and aunt and uncle were in Hawaii when Waterworld when Waterworld was being filmed. And my dad is a very social dude. So finds out that the guy next to him is Kevin Costner's dad. So he's having oh. he's like having conversation with him and you know chatting with him whatever. And and you can see the set of the movie from the beach. Like it's it's right there. Which had to be cool because like the set pieces were. Uh, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, at at one point, Kevin Costner's walking over to where my parents are, and my dad has got his video camera out and he's filming it, 
right? So he's showing us the video. Well, Kevin Costner looks at the camera and my dad immediately just looks straight down with the camera and it's right on my aunt's butt. And so, you know, (laughs) he's like showing us home videos or whatever. All of a sudden we're like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, he looked at me. I didn't, I I just, I panicked, you know, like (laughs) I didn't know what to do. do. (laughs) Kevin Costner was going to grace me with his presence and I didn't want to offend him. I mean, if you think, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of, you know, kind of sucks if you just like walk up to something like you're walking a direction, you realize someone's just recording you. But also if you're Kevin Costner, like that's probably, that's kind of your job, right? right? Oh, it's so good. That's amazing. <laughs> you ought to come back for our Waterworld episode, Josh. We're going to be talking about it like very soon. It's on the docket. Oh, boy. It's on the calendar for soon. 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 TM. Oh, I wonder if I can buy the uh, Blu-ray. We'll find out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you can get <laughs> it for like $2. You. <laughs> They'll pay you to take yeah. it. <laughs> All my coasters are actually uh, Blu-rays of Waterworld, so I'm good. I've got... Yeah. <laughs> they gave away like AOL CDs back in the day. Yep. I... I literally own Waterworld in like four different formats. I'm not even lying. <laughs> like I, I, I kind of, I secretly love the movie. It is the movie of the future. It's actually not a secret. Everybody, everyone knows. I yell at people about it all the time. One, one more thing about Waterworld that I want to mention is that there's eight player co-op programmed into this game. Yeah. The idea, the game mode, the idea is that you play, you basically go, you're going after a high score, right? So you're flying over the water world uh, shooting down stuff and then trying to save like people floating like with their arms flailing in the air like oh my god uh, and so you run you make your run you try to do your high score and then you pass it on to the next guy and you're like all right Tim it's your turn to put your eyes on this horrible device don't sue me you signed the paper when you came over yeah and it's like who the fuck <laughs> who had who had a virtual boy and also eight friends exactly no one like exactly no hey one. guys you want to come over and play some Waterworld it's like a new hit movie with Kevin Costner and it. it's very very good. <laughs> I am just beside myself. Um, I will say that to this day, like one of the weirdest pieces of like video game tie-in shit I own is a copy of Waterworld for the Nintendo Virtual Boy. Like that is a, <laughs> it's a mouthful of weird shit to say out loud. You know what I mean? I got a cop badge from Battlefield Hardline that somebody sent me once. Like I just like I have I have a lot of weird shit in my collection, but like that's it's up there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty high. Release of the Virtual Boy. We've talked about a lot of this, so we'll just kind of do it uh, briefly here. Basically, in marketing this thing, uh, there was a brief press tour and there was an appearance at the Consumer Electronics Show in January of 95, CES, which still goes on to this day. And, you know, I think started in like 68. It's an institution. Uh, The Virtual Boy released July 21st, 1995 in Japan and August 16th in North America. It did not even fucking release in PAL markets. Europe did not get this thing in any official capacity. Like... No faith, which let me say two things. Number one, that's indicative of the fact that they did not think it would succeed, I I believe. But secondly, also Nintendo was not as big of a presence in the early to mid 90s in Europe as they are today. Like you didn't like that. That is why things like the ZX Spectrum um, and the Amiga and things like that. That's why they were so popular uh, throughout the late 80s and early 90s is because a lot of companies just weren't doing shit in Europe because Hey, you guys remember the Soviet Union? And you remember like pre-European, you know, unification and shit like that? Like where just everybody was completely separate and nobody had any clue what was happening and there was no common denomination between currency and all these countries? Like, yeah, it was bad. It was a bad market to sell things in. Uh, so, yeah, never released in PAL markets. Uh, the console was fairly expensive 
Uh, in the U.S., it launched with a price of one seventy nine ninety five, which I did some garbage internet math and found out that that is approximately two hundred ninety two dollars sixty seven cents in twenty eighteen money, adjusting for inflation. A Switch. Yeah, that's a, that's a Nintendo Switch. That's a uh, that's a damn ass console. And if you're looking at twenty eighteen money, I mean, granted they're a couple years old now, but like you can buy an Xbox One brand new for that. You can buy a PlayStation Four brand new for that price. You know what I mean? Uh, three hundred bucks is. I mean, you know, talking in 2018 money, like that's nothing to shake, shake a stick at. That's a hefty little chunk. This was a big deal, though, because the fact that it was fairly expensive is a big deal. It wasn't expensive for a console release. Like, consoles regularly released around this, like, adjusted for inflation sort of 300 to $500 range. Uh, that happened all the time. This is a big deal because the already mega popular Game Boy was more portable, more popular, far cheaper, already had a huge library, and if we're being honest to the layman... It's like pretty much the same fucking thing. Like you look at the Game Boy and you're like, oh, cool. It's monochrome. It's it's green and black. Oh, cool. The Virtual Boy is black and red. It's like and also like <laughs> has no games. Like, what am I going to Why would I buy this? You know, we mentioned earlier this this uh, thing launched and released with Mario Tennis as a packing game. It also launched with Red Alarm, Teleroboxer and Galactic Pinball. No Zelda game. That's also interesting to me. Yeah, no Zelda game on the system at all. Wasn't 3DO hand doing those at that time? Isn't that what was? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do believe. I do believe this was the CDI era of Zelda <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> the, you know, the Jaguar back in the day cost a thousand dollars, and that was way more powerful, or at least as powerful as, as this, I think. And you got way more games for that than there are for for this console. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about expensive consoles, like. The Neo Geo, the 3DO, like the Jaguar, you know, and also, do you guys even know anybody that had those consoles? Because I knew one guy that had a 3DO and beyond that, like, I, you know, that shit didn't exist out here. None of those things succeeded. You want to know why? Because Nintendo ate everyone's lunch. Yeah, the rich kid whose house I went to to play Sega and Super Nintendo games didn't have any of those other consoles. That was it. I mean, the early 90s, so I don't have any particular memory or nostalgia of a lot of this stuff as far as like how the industry goes. I didn't start paying attention to the industry until I was a late teenager. So we're talking like 2005. So, you know, I'm like starting to pay attention to the industry when the Xbox 360 is coming out. Right. I look back as someone who's very interested, who's a collector. I don't want to say curator because I don't really, I mean, all my shit's in boxes in a closet, but like I collect the history of video games. I buy cartridges and consoles and stuff just on curiosity if i can find a good deal i'll buy it i'll mess around with it and play them um hey man like nobody at the time looking back on it like people weren't excited for the fucking 3do you know what i mean <laughs> like nobody was excited for the atari Gen oh yeah i forgot about fucking atari the people who pretty much killed video games they're coming back they're making a new thing nobody gave a fuck you want to know why because the playstation exists you know what i mean <laughs> like the playstation's out there we got tekken now we don't need this shit uh, with regards to reception, we've pretty much described it, so I'm not going to go into great detail here, but this thing was met with heavy skepticism during its reveal uh, and marketing phase. Like Caleb mentioned earlier, there was about a $24 million uh, U.S. Or North, or North American marketing program to try to get this thing sort of in people's minds. They had partnerships with Blockbuster, they had partnerships with Toys R Us, but here's the thing. How do you market a video game system that you cannot show gameplay from? Because you could not sort of reasonably capture uh, gameplay from this system 
1995. It was almost impossible. I mean, I'm sure Nintendo had ways of, of, of getting about that and pulling, you know, straight from jacking directly into the board on this thing. Uh, but how do you display that on a 2D television to people? You know what I mean? How do you display that in a magazine in two dimensions? It's difficult. This thing is difficult to market. Like even in 2018, I'm trying to come up with ideas as to how you could possibly market a product like this. And it's the same way you market the Oculus Rift these days where it's like, oh, you just got to go to Best Buy and try it out. You know what I mean? Like, because you can't, I've played a fair amount of VR stuff and I, I can't really adequately describe what it's like to be like, oh yeah, uh, in porn, women are gigantic and in video games, like sometimes it's good and sometimes it's really bad and you kind of feel like you're there, but also maybe you have a fan blowing on your face because motion sickness sucks. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird thing to have to try to explain to a consumer and looking at it from a historical standpoint, there's that argu- there's that argument, but like, in the real world in 95, you also had to explain to people like, you want to pay money for this, you know, <laughs> which, oh yeah, I have no idea what these games look like at all. I have no clue. I did see a commercial where a bipod computer monster was chasing a cavewoman, but, um, yeah, here, Toys R Us guy is my $300. Can I have that weird red box? Like, I don't know. It's, it's a strange thing. Well, so well, the big tagline was a 3d game for a 3d world. But the problem was, is none of those ads actually showed any gameplay. They showed cavemen, like a la that <laughs> stupid TV commercial. That one commercial, dude. That one commercial, and it's so it's so good, bad, bad, good, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's nineties bad. Um, and or the other one was like get into it. It just had a whole bunch of psychedelic, like twirling. Well, it was in the it. times you see. It was the times, you see. I mean, like, the early 90s was that revival of, like, what if we all had tie-dye posters and lava lamps and that 70s show comes out? You know? Like, things were a little... People were a little weird. Um, Your Gen Xers were having kids. You know, what do you do? But I just... I look at the Virtual Boy with a weird degree of fondness. Um, it's, It's an interesting thing that exists. I'm... I feel like its place in history is, like, super duper important. But I don't, it's one of the, it's a weird thing where like, yes, this is a very important thing and I'm really glad it happened. Also, don't ever try it. Like, don't, just don't bother because at the the most you'll ever get out of it is being like, huh, okay. The best, the, that's, that's the best case. The worst case scenario is like, oh, 15 minutes in and my fucking head hurts, you know? That's all I want from it. I just want to, I want to say I've had a headache from the virtual boy, like, that's that's it. Maybe I'll make a T-shirt. Like I survived the Virtual Boy. You know, so. I did not get a detached retina from the Virtual Boy. <laughs> Jesus, Caleb just linked an ad from Nintendo Power for Waterworld in this document, and it's so. Caleb, please include this in the show notes. Oh, I will. When you put this thing up, like it's this is awful. That that looks Damn like it. a game I want to play. The thing is, is if the game looked like that and it came out on the Sony PlayStation at the time, I would probably have bought it. You know, Jet I'm pretty skin. sure there was a Waterworld game. I think for there the was PlayStation. a PlayStation Waterworld game. Yeah, <laughs> that I was probably so. gameplay from the PlayStation <laughs> in the Nintendo yeah. Power ad. <laughs> probably. Hey Kaz, uh, Kazurai, uh, yeah, I call you Kaz because we're best friends. Hey Kaz, can we uh, get some without gameplay footage? <laughs> I'll give you twenty bucks and I'll I'll take your wife out to dinner when you go out of town. I promise. Oh my god, I'm looking at an ad for the Virtual League baseball game and it says "Finally baseball without the chili dog farts" and it shows two guys and they're I guess two middle aged guys with plumbers crack and no screenshots of this game. Well, there are two small ones that are the size of postage stamps, but I don't count that. So 
we're running a little bit long tonight. Uh, we're already at like, you know, roughly an hour 10 before edits. Uh, so I do want to, and you can cut this out or keep it in if you want to, Caleb, but I do want to do a bonus round situation with this episode. Um, mostly because I've had so many requests to bring back our segment, Crypto Geekology. I want to do a quick 20 questions. Now, we've only got two guys play. Okay. All right, this will be so quick. This should, this should go fast. Sounds good. Now, the subject, boys, 20 questions for anyone listening who doesn't know. It's super simple. If you don't know what 20 questions, don't know what the hell you're doing in your life. But you can ask me a yes or no question. I can give you a – or you can ask me a question. I give you a yes or no answer. You have 20 questions maximum to figure out the thing, the subject, the item, the product, the movie, whatever I'm talking about, right? Tonight's subject – it's video game consoles. Oh. Okay. Okay. This is, this is like that little plastic ball that always confuses me that it gets the answer right. Is that what we're, is that what we're doing right now? It's exactly that. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I'll let Caleb go first. Caleb, you asked me a question. Yes or no answers. And uh, I will, let me get a little tally going here and we'll try to keep track. If of you, you can't guess the, uh, you can't say, is this the GameCube? Because that would be the, that's the right, answer. Right. That's the, that's your that's your that's your nail in the coffin. If you say is it the blank or is it this thing, that's your nail in the coffin. So, uh, Caleb, first question: What do you got? Did this console was this console a Nintendo console? Negative. All right. Was it a Sony console? Negative. Mm, we're gonna get out of these out of these first party developers <laughs> very quickly. Um, was this it? Was this console? Manufactured after January first, nineteen ninety. Yes. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know it's hard, right? Yeah. Um, was this console a handheld? It was. Ooh, Caleb. You're up for question number five. Are we are we staying within our zone of two decades? Or are we going beyond that? This is a sideline question. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, yeah, we're we're staying within the zone. It's it is within the eighties and nineties. Okay. <sighs> Portable. Oh boy. So, oh my gosh, who else made portable other than Nintendo? Was there a three DO portable? Anyway, um, was this? Did this console come to North America? Yes, it did. Was this console named after an animal? No, it was not. Okay. Hmm. Oh. Um. So is this a Japanese manufactured console? Um. Let me just look into the root of this really quick because I don't believe so. Uh, I want. I'm gonna say no. Okay. No, it was not. Was this console also a cell phone? No, it was not. Okay. For question number nine, Caleb, what do you have? Mm, was this? So it's not. It's not a Japanese manufactured console. No, it is not. Damn. This is throwing me for a loop. Can I give you a qualifier? This is like sort of like half and half cheatsies because I don't want to sit here and try to read like a Wikipedia article right uh-huh. now. The headquarters are in North America. Like they're in North America. As I understand it, they're a North American company. Okay. All right. Hmm. 
was this a critically acclaimed console? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing like that, sir. <laughs> so for question 10, Josh. Was... Were there any major mascots on this console? Um, what do you mean? Like, like in the way that like Nintendo has a Mario yeah, and Sega has a Sonic? Yeah. No, not really. Okay. No, I wouldn't say so. Hmm. Caleb, you guys are halfway through. Yeah. Boy, howdy! It's getting, you're, nowhere near, you're nowhere near the ballpark. Yeah. What do you got? Is this a color? console uh no it was not oh. it was well it was monochrome for what it means gotcha oh was i've gone dark and dirty on is this, this console still being used today no it is not i mean no not in any real way not in any real way. <laughs> I mean, I, to qu- to qualify the statement, like I'm sure someone fucking plays it sometimes, but like, no, it's not like you're not. You'll never find it on a shelf or spoken of outside of maybe like curiosity articles. Okay, does this game have any 3D capabilities? Mm, no. Okay. Not no, not like in the way you're thinking. Uh, well. Qualif- stereoscopic. Clarify that one. Stereoscopic. No. Okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> wow, this is rough, man. <laughs> I have I have chosen a deep, dark thing, a thing that I actually physically have, and it's it's a it's a brutal one. <sighs> after you after you said no animals, and it's not a cell phone, that like you kind of took the wind out of my sails at that point. Um, the only. <sighs> I know of this console. I cannot think of the name of it, and I know very little about it other than I know that it is monochrome. I can't, but I think people are still programming for it today. And Hmm. well, I mean, like, that's a weird, that's a weird sort of qualifier because, like, dude, like, new Dreamcast games are still coming out. You know what I mean? No, but there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a, if it's the same one I'm thinking about, there's like a kind of a, semi well-known like underground community like raspberry pi kind of stuff that goes along with it oh okay. so but i i would say i would say definitely not the case here. okay that'll be my question then okay caleb is this a tiger electronics console it is oh i don't know any of the names of those <laughs> does it feature two brothers no, I mean, hold on. Oh boy, uh, this is a weird. This is a weird way to answer this. Mm, actually, no, it's not weird at all. No, it does not. Not even a little okay. bit. Oh man. Oh, I know what it is. Did you get it? You, are you there? Yeah, I don't know the name of it though. <laughs> it's it's a Virtual Boy clone, but I don't know the name of it. No, because so I asked got about stereoscopic 3D. Yeah, there's no, there's no kind of like technology, you know, sort of jargon aside. There's no like 3D uh, sort of trickery going on with your with the observation of the screen. There's none of that. 
Um, okay, so we know it's Tiger. This is question 17, I believe. Um, I may have to look up Tiger Electronic <laughs> consoles. <laughs> I'll tell you if you if you do that. It's probably gonna get you. It's probably gonna spoil you pretty quick. You're like, yeah, you're gonna almost immediately get this. Oh uh, man. Okay. Does this have a complex name? I would say hell yeah. This name is. It is a weird, stupid mouthful. Okay. Huh. Question number eighteen, Josh. What do you have, buddy? <sighs> Here's the thing. If it is the console I'm thinking of, I literally learned about it today while I was while I was researching Virtual <laughs> Boy, because, and, I, I, the only thing the video said is it did worse than the Virtual Boy. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. Let me look at that. Oh, it's yeah. Did. Yeah. Oh, it's um, did. Was it? Uh, I don't know if this is asking the same kind of question, but was it a headset console? Uh, no, it was not. No. Hmm. Hmm. It was a straight up. I mean, this kind of, again, kind of goes like sort of against the 20 questions like thing, but it was a straight up like handheld ass. Look at a screen situation. Like a game boy in a way. Caleb question 19. And then y'all got to drive this baby home. And I feel like I've, I feel like I've stumped the crowd. Yeah, um, Tiger, we know it's Tiger, it's handheld, no 3D, no headset, um, is the, is the colors of the console white and black? Uh, of the console itself or of the display? Of the display. The display was like a, like a traditional sort of black and white little bit closer to like a and I again I understand this isn't how 20 questions works but it was like it was monochrome yeah I guess that's my question is it monochrome that's fine it is mon. it it is monochrome yeah I can give you that well I guess I kind of knew that because it wasn't color from the previous question so Josh just guess it's fine throw it out there Josh what do you got man now the problem is I have no clue on the name if it's the one I even saw today so um I was super hoping that you would be there for me, Josh. I, again, I just, I kind of, when I, when they talked about it in the video, I watched, if it's the same product, I just breezed over it. I'm like, oh, this is not information I need to store in my brain. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, how wrong you were. (laughs) So did the console have a controller that was separate, like that, that plugged in? Or was it a, a standalone handheld handheld device? Just a standalone handheld. That's it. So for 20 questions, I'm sorry, boys. I have stumped you. I've beaten you. The game console made by Tiger Electronics released in 1997 and discontinued in the year 2000 sold 300,000 units. And honestly, that's an inflated number. People believe it's far less. Tiger's game.com console. Uh... Yep. The game.com is a small handheld with a little tiny uh, monochrome screen. Came with a stylus. It was a touch screen, which was kind of cool. Uh, it had internet connectivity. If you were to plug it into a 14.4K modem, um, you could play games online. It had games like Duke Nukem and Mortal Kombat Trilogy. And it was a, it's a weird ass thing. 
for as weird as the Virtual Boy is in sort of the home console market, like the game.com is kind of one of those things that was supposed to be good and had a lot of neat ideas, but was actually trash. The The console I was talking about was called the R zone. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's, uh, that's what we've done guys. We did it. We're here. At the, that's the end of the show. So, uh, we're going to take it away really quick. I would just like to thank our generous network, ninjapancake.com. Shout out to Remy Ransom. What a great guy. Uh, check out Ninja Pancake, man. They've got a bunch of other shows. They have Bombshell Jackets, which is a show about Tom Clancy's A Division. They have My Morning Coffee, Loot Shoot Lane. Uh, you know, I have a show on there, another show on there called Demonstrating, all about how to DM a podcast. I DM it with two of my friends. Uh, GNA Podcast. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, go check them out. Give Show those guys some love. I'd like to also say thank you to Speaker Freaks for the Geek Squatch theme. Check out their music at speakerfreaks.com s-p-e-k-r-f-r-e-k-s dot com subscribe to us on itunes rate leave a comment if you could it helps tremendously we love that stuff you guys uh visit our website geekstwatch.com we've got episode listings blog posts all that stuff now if you'd like to get at us if you have questions comments concerns corrections or anything else long form stuff email us podcast at geeksquatch.com short form or if you just want to kind of like help us boost the signal Check us out on Twitter at Geek Squatch Pod. Uh, again, you can give us a call. I really encourage this, guys. It's one of my favorite things in the world when people call in um, because it's just such a fun, dumb thing. And we don't have to air your call. If you don't want it aired, just say so. We'll just we'll listen to it and answer it. Uh, give us a call, 540-692-9165. Leave a message. I will get to you, I promise. And with that... We'll end the show. I'm going to do some individual plugs. You can find me on Twitter at W.A. Hirsch. You can find Caleb on Twitter at Caleb MCC. And Josh, they can find you on Twitter at N64Josh, Correct. Okay. And you want anything anything in particular you're working on you want to plug Uh, right now? Guys, I mean, I podcast um, at least twice a week, like I mentioned earlier. I just today launched my website, N64Josh.com, where I'll be um, putting up different articles, news articles, Nintendo articles, just... You know, I'm actually I've I'm in the very, very beginning stages of making my own game, kind of a bucket list thing. And so I may document nice. some stuff on there. I've spent one full day with uh, Unity and I was able to <laughs> in a day uh, be uh, I have the first parts of Space Invaders created. I can move my ship. I can yeah, fire yeah. and I have bases that will be destroyed. And uh, it was an hour long tutorial that I spent eight hours with. So, um, you know, (laughs) so I'm learning, um, but I'm excited for all aspects of it. The artwork, the music, all of it. I'm, 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 I'm pretty jazzed about it. So um, it'll be a, it'll be a, uh, a long project. There's no doubt about that, but uh, yeah, the podcast is my main thing and streaming. We do Mario Kart Mondays. If you have a switch and Mario Kart eight every Monday at 6 PM, um, we're pretty much playing just, ruining friendships, crushing dreams, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. So, Solid. um, but yeah, everywhere, you know, is, is N64, Josh, Snapchat, farmers only all the above. It's all, um, it's all N64, Josh. So I won't tell your wife about that farmers only account. <laughs> oh, I signed up for a new social media thing called Vero. I believe it's, uh, it's the, the new hotness apparently. So, um, uh, they're all the new hotness until Facebook decides to eat, eat some more, tech you right know I mean? right i still miss myspace but that's neither here nor there you know you know well guys uh thanks for tuning in K- 
catch us next week. We're uh shit, man. We'll be back again. What are we doing next week? Caleb, give a quick shout before we go. What are we doing next week? Uh, actually, we're doing Batman eighty nine. Uh, so that's Ooh. the Michael Keaton joint. Yeah. Um, I'm going to probably crap all over that movie, just so y'all know. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, so bad. <laughs> Dang. So bad. And with that, we're out. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Geek Squatch. It's a podcast all about nerd nostalgia from yesteryear. Another week has come and gone, so that means it's time for another episode. What are we talking about this week, you ask? Don't. Yo, Caleb. (laughs) You motherfucker. What did that even say before? I don't know what that even said now. (laughs) It's a play. (laughs) Oh, you motherfucker. You motherfucker. <laughs> I almost read it because I because t- I said this this is the part I'm going to be reading. <laughs> God damn it! Just about Anchorman that thing, huh? I re- dude, it was so close. <laughs> I start, start over. Yep, uh-huh. it was worth it. Uh, that's going in the that end was, of the episode. <laughs> that was really good. It said penis for the record. <laughs> Don't penis me like that. All right. <laughs>